Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolaroid Stories. This is episode 97. In this episode, you will hear a conversation with my friend Amber from Australia. Amber came from Australia to Europe a month ago and she came to my house to visit me and my partner Aloha. So we recorded a podcast and we talked about the Australian drinking culture and problems that Amber had with alcohol because in Australia, you will hear this in the conversation, in Australia people like to drink. I like to drink, but I like to drink in a different way. Social drinking. I like a glass of wine. I like um, having a couple of beers with my friends. I don't want to get wasted all the time. So, in this episode you will hear um, Amber talking about the Australian drinking culture. You will hear us talk about Australia more in general and overcoming addiction. So, if you're addicted to something, it might be anything, it might be your email inbox, it might be social media, it might be cigarettes, or whatever other addiction you have, well, this episode might be the best. Not the best, but it might be perfect for you. Not perfect. It might be interesting, alright? I can't find another better word. Um, get ready now, it's story time. You're too old, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm too old? <laughs> How old are you? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not nice to ask. It, is a, it not? A girl. Oh, it's fine. Mm. No, it's a. It's an achievement to get older. I like that. Mm. It means you've been alive for yeah, one more year. You've survived. This is important. The ultimate goal, really, is to is to age disgracefully. <laughs> all right welcome amber ciao g'day mate g'day finally <laughs> what, what what are you doing here in my room that's a great question i've been asking myself the same question why am i here in an australian room in italy in an australian room yes uh for those listening the entire room is decorated in everything that is australia you've got the Australian colours for the the football, rugby. Is it rugby? Cricket? Uh, Pretty much the Australian, Australian colours. The Australian uniform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Golden and green. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got the Australian flag. You've got a number plate that says Australia with a kangaroo and the Australian flag on it. It's practically like... The cap? It's like American mega level of devotion. <laughs> <laughs> to the Australian theme. It's fantastic. Um, why am I here? That's a good question. Um, I had a dream. You had a dream? <laughs> yeah, I had a dream that uh, I had enough money for a plane ticket to uh, Europe, um, that I was flying to England, but that I had to come to Italy so I could see Fabio and Aloha, my, my dear friends. But I had no money to get to, to Italy. And in the dream, my mum said, uh, don't worry about money. Money comes back around. Just go. Mm. And then 
and then I just decided to follow the dream. There's more to it, but we won't go into the story of the cancelled wedding and everything. It's too long and mm. and, and dull, frankly. Mm. But um, yes, so basically because I'm superstitious and had a dream, I'm now here, finally, seeing my friend after five long years. It's fantastic. Because we met in, in Melbourne, Melbourne yeah. in a shared house, because that's what people do in Australia. Young people, they, mm. they live in shared houses. You don't right? do that in Italy? Uh, well, no, yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. We, in the big cities. Yeah. Students. Yeah. They pay a ridiculous amount of money mm. for a shared house, for a room. Milan, Rome, very expensive. Mm. Like 600, six to 900 euros for a room. A month? A month. That is obscene. It is. Robbery. It is. It's probably like cockroaches and it's dirty. Well, no, it's, oh, it's, no. it's a decent, <laughs> it's a decent room. It's a decent house. Oh, but okay. It's small. Just in Melbourne then, the cockroaches and the dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're from Australia. Mm. Cockroaches and yeah, animals. And animals. Animals in Australia. People Maybe. don't want to go to Australia because of animals, because they say everything is trying to kill you when I... When I ask, um, I, I talk to some students, university students, and they say, well, after I graduate, I would like to go abroad mm. for an experience, you know. And I say, why don't you go to Australia? No, 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 no. Australia is, is the place. I'm too scared. I'm scared of spiders. I'm like, so you, you don't want to go to Australia because you're afraid of spiders. Yeah, because they could kill you. Everything is trying to kill you in Australia. But to me, it's like, I don't want to go to Italy because I'm scared of mafia. Yes. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. Of course. Equivalent. We've got mafia. Yeah. We are, we invented it. <laughs> Very proud of it. Yes. Yeah, as uh, you should be. But it's not a, a good reason not to visit Italy. No. Right. So. That's a good point. Look, I share the sentiment of um, your students. Australia terrifies me and I'm from Australia. Hmm. Um, I won't go into the ocean more than waist deep because I'm convinced of sharks. And if it's not sharks, it's a jellyfish that can kill you. And if it's not a jellyfish fish that can kill you, it's the riptides that will suck you out into the middle of the ocean and uh, where there are more sharks, actually. So you see... I, I share some of their sentiment there. It is a scary place. The spiders are probably the least scary part of Australia. Um, and if you make friends with Australians like myself, I will save you and protect you from the spiders. Professional spider catcher here. Just give me a lunchbox and a lid or a piece of paper and that spider is outside where it belongs. Um, cool. And no no one dies because of spiders. No one dies. Right? No, no. You just get very, very deathly sick. Uh, but you'd survive. You'd survive. Yeah. Yeah. Snakes, probably. People might die from... You could die snake. from a snake, yeah. yeah. But as long as you know what snake bit you and you're within a 20-minute radius of a hospital, you should be fine. The only one you would really need to be worried about is the inland taipan which is uh, in central Australia, so it's in the desert where not many people go, although you and Aloha went there. And, uh, and no one has ever been, no one has ever died from that snake mm. somehow, even though it has the venom strong enough to kill like a hundred elephants or something crazy like that. Wow. It's very rare. 
uh, for someone to be bitten yeah. by that snake. Yeah. And what else don't we know about the Australian culture? I can tell you what mm. I know about the Australian culture. What's, yeah, what is your impression of the Australian culture? Um, there's no culture in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Do you mean that? <laughs> okay, I, I've I've said that many times. No, okay, mm. wait, wait. It's not as rich as the European or other older countries, mm. Mm. right? Um, like if I look at the map that I've got here in my room, Europe is a is a very old continent. Mm. Africa is a very old continent. America relatively new but still has culture definitely but still yeah, older older than than the australian mm. culture Why south america whew, thousands of thousands of years of mm. of people living there and and building uh yeah. pyramids i think the main difference when you look at those countries is that uh colonization wasn't as mm. eff- as effectively executed as it was in australia maybe besides you could say South Africa, but then they had a revolution where we haven't. Um, so I think the reason why Australia stands out in that sense is because uh, colonization over the last 200 years was very effective. I mean, I taught you about, you hadn't heard of the white Australia policy that existed until 1966, 1967, so late 60s. So my mum was born by the time and was a child at the time of the white Australia poli- policy still existing where if you weren't white, you were forced to do a test that almost no one could pass Mm. in terms of knowing the English language Mm. uh, and Latin and being able to dictate it perfectly. Otherwise, you couldn't come, you couldn't live in Australia. Um, That's still true, though, because people have to take the IELTS test to... But it's It's, not true. I mean, it's it's different, of course. It's different. It's not made to be impossible to pass, but it is very difficult. Yes, they still make it quite difficult. And obviously, there's still very... uh, There are remnants of the white Australia policy in the structures and the Mm. systems and the institutions Mm. of Australia still. So, yeah, Mm. I think for that reason, I definitely agree with you. I think there is a less robust modern culture Mm. uh, post-colonialism. I think the indigenous cultures are fascinating. Uh, but again, the racism and all of the terrible things that have happened have been very effective in subduing those voices and repressing them. And now we're mm. starting to see some changes, mm. positive changes. Yeah, when I said you have no culture, I was joking. But to me, you know, when I was there, people, I don't know, they seemed to me... Um, they didn't have a lot of traditions. No. Traditions like um, holy um, bank holidays, mm. not bank holidays, like national holidays, mm. national holidays, um, um, recurring festivals, or mm. you know, here in Italy we've got many things. We've got carnivals. We've got uh, every region has got their own mm. particular food yes and dialects as dialects. well and yeah all with but the same country but i'm not saying you know we're, we're better it's just no. we're we're older like it's different like a, a 70 year old man compared <laughs> to a, a 3 a ten, year old 
<laughs> yeah, maybe a 10-year-old. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay. So a 17-year-old man has got many more things to mm. tell you, many more stories. Mm. He's got lots of experience. And that's that would be maybe Italy. Yeah. Australia, younger, mm. full of opportunities. That's why I went there yes. as well. Yeah. Back 10, 10 years ago. Uh, pros and cons. And I think... Um, the system works much better in Australia because there are fewer people. Fewer people, yeah. Um, jobs, very easy to find a job. Mm, comparatively, yes, yeah. Com- mm. Yeah, so, And the landscape mm. is pretty spectacular. It Ooh, is. Yeah. yeah. I think as well, like, there are, there's definitely a culture, but it lacks in some respects. But there are, well, there's a drinking culture, of course, <laughs> quite a bad one. Uh, well, it's can be bad um for example uh the shoey this is a tradition you can say for australia it's not mm. meaningful it's when you put a pour a beer into a shoe and then you skull <laughs> skull the beer from the shoe but this is quite a common practice the beer bong as well yeah a lot of culture around drinking that's for sure you've got a big drinking culture and <laughs> let's talk about that sure okay um People drink, people, normal people, like not just young people, but I remember working in a, in, a, in a restaurant in Melbourne, three ladies in their 50s keep ordering mm. alcohol, beer, and another beer, and then a, a, and a bottle of wine, and then more beer. And I was like, I would never see something like this in Italy. Yeah. Or, or I'd never seen anything like that in Italy mm. up to that point. Um, and I thought, this, you know, this is not what three ladies in their 50s do normally when they go to a restaurant. They have dinner, they eat, they mm. have wine, of course, maybe they have two bottles, and then they don't keep ordering beer. That's, you know, I've never seen something like that. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is this must be something you didn't see it in Ireland or England because you were there previously to Australia and they have a drinking culture as well. Not as heavy mm. as in Australia. Yeah. So why, what, what, what do you think you have that? That's a, such a great question. Why I think there's so many different layers to that. Uh, there's a whole history of Australia, which I won't delve into in terms of being colonial um, mm. and convicts as well, mm. alcohol being cheap. Uh, mm. it's also a very middle class country, you have to remember. That was the it was meant it was designed to be the middle class working man's dream, this place. So you could buy a home, you could work a middle class job, you can meet your basic needs, but not necessarily achieve huge amounts of wealth. But have be oh. a comfortable life, right? Mm. Part of being middle class is that uh your labour is not highly valued. Uh, and your way of spending your time outside of, say, work might be more limited because of your means. So drinking was an accessible thing, and it has been for the history of Australia. So I think maybe it starts from there, but in terms of drinking, yeah, it, because it's culture, it's hard to say why culture, right? Like if you try and think about some of the cultural things you have, why you might do certain things um, as a society, Drink espresso after your meal, not cappuccino, mm. this sort of thing. Can you really say for certain why? 
Um, mm. But it is. It's. It is a thing. It is very much. Um, we drink to the point of obliteration, right? To black out, even hmm. at some point. Uh, and that's not uncommon, and that's not unusual. It's not seen as that. And every weekend, that's what people participate in. That's how they spend their time. Um, there's a thing called like the bender, mm-hmm. where you the whole weekend, maybe Friday night through to, to Monday morning, before work, you're drinking. You're up the whole time. You don't stop. Wow. The whole time. Yeah. And every night, every day. For like, what? Why? I mean, is it something like a um, something you do? I don't know in January at a particular time of the year, no. or because you got married, or no, people just do it just because. And just... how how can you go to work the next day? Very broken. I think most people would call in sick, okay. but people would know most likely that is why they're calling in sick. Yeah. Um, you would just go into work very broken, a shell of a human. And the only way to recover from that is what we call a hair of the dog. I think this is also something you say in England, hair of the dog, uh, where essentially you have a drink, like it could be a beer or it could be tequila, whichever, uh, when you're hungover to get rid of your hangover. So the only way out of the hangover is to induce drunkenness again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it is a thing. It is a thing. Mm. and and it's so um revered i think as well Mm. like people are impressed by their stamina or their ability to drink and party non-stop everyone is like that you think i think a lot of people are i wouldn't say everyone is but i'd say Mm. the greater majority definitely it would be very difficult to be a non-drinker and go out into those uh scenes or like socialize with your friends because they will most likely participate in that level of drinking. And this is this is um, interesting because I remember when I when I found that job mm. in the restaurant, I had to go. I had to take a training course on how to sell, how to serve alcohol. And I know you have huge fines mm. if if you serve alcohol. For example, I remember this that if if you serve alcohol. To a person who's already intoxicated, so a person who's already had too many drinks and they can't speak, they slur. Mm, slur their speech, yes. Mm. They, uh, you, you will get a fine. Mm-hmm. You will get like ten thousand, mm-hmm. a ten thousand dollar fine. Yeah. So, the the government, I think, is trying to they, they try it. to yeah to to regulate it. Have you or, heard of the lockout laws? In Sydney? No. So they actually, it started in Newcastle, my hometown where I'm from. They tested it out to see if it would be applicable. There's this kind of theory that they test things out in Newcastle because the population is so uh, unruly Mm. and uh, I can't think of another word to describe it, but yeah, like can be quite troublesome. So they tested this out where they closed all bars, all clubs, everything shut at 11 o'clock at night, no later. Not Mm. midnight, 11. Everything had to shut. Nothing could run. And they did this. They first started off in Newcastle to see if it reduced crime and violence. Mm -hmm. And then they moved it across to Sydney. And then they moved it across to the entire of New South Wales. Just this one state. Because young men were 
accidentally killing each other by uh, king hitting them, which is punching from behind and hitting someone in the back of the head. And uh, they would die. They would get hit on the temple or somewhere where the skull is quite uh, fragile and get brain damage. And I think maybe several young men died because of this. And so, yeah, they started this this ban called the Lockout Laws. They've mm. since very recently lifted them, but they were around for a, about a decade or 10 years. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the government is trying very hard to combat it. However, you know, they make a lot of money off the tax of it. Mm. So <laughs> Clever way. It's good for to... business. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I know that you, you mm. as well had a problem with, drinking yeah up until very recently mm. yeah do you want to share that story yeah yeah sure um well where i guess we'd start with where it began i guess mm-hmm. uh, with drinking so the first time i drank something i was 14 i don't think that's hugely unusual globally no, no i mean in scotland you know <laughs> it's normal to start drinking at 11 uh but uh it was definitely a part of like being cool or being a part of a group, being socially accepted yeah. is to drink. Um, and I had a lot of mental health issues quite young at like 15, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder being one of them. And I think unknowingly I used alcohol as a means of self-medication mm. because it shut down my anxiety. It made me more sociable, more comfortable in social situations. And I would be less likely to have post-traumatic stress symptoms drunk. Not that it was impossible, but less likely. Um, And that's, you know, that's science. Your brain shuts down. uh, Your risk factors are less likely to be of a concern to you. Um, It does pump you with um, relaxation hormones. But then on the other side of that, of course, when you're sober, your body is pumped with cortisol, which is anxiety inducing. So it's a double-edged sword, temporary relief for actually potentially more suffering later on. Um, but yeah, so it was just so much a part of the culture. I went to art school in Melbourne when you met me, mm-hmm. 18. Um, I didn't know anyone, didn't have family or friends there. So how do you get to know people? You go out for a drink after class or after work. Um, this is the way that you make friends in Australia. And this is how you keep friends as you meet up every week to drink. Hmm. Um, it's a form of, yeah, like release. Um, it also eats up all of your money. <laughs> Very expensive <laughs> habit to have. Uh, so I've been perpetually poor my whole life, but mostly because of my drinking habits and going out all the time. Like what you said about, um, those ladies that you saw who were drinking, I became friends with a bartender And uh, it was during one of my periods of sobriety in 2017. And uh, I think I hadn't been drinking for about six months at the time. And he said to me, like, oh, when you did drink, it blew my mind. You would just buy glass after glass after glass of red wine. I was like, how is she even able to stand or talk? Wow. Um, And, you know, some people are better at hiding how intoxicated they are than others. I think I must be one of them 90% of the time. There is that 10% where it gets sloppy and quite embarrassing, but it's rarer. Um, Yeah, so anyway, it's been a part of... So that's what... uh, I'm 28 now, so... Maths is not my strong suit. 15 (laughs) years, (laughs) thereabouts. Uh, 
of it being a problem for me, uh, 14, 13 years, because I have since stopped drinking almost entirely. Mm. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, it, it's a habit. It's an addiction. It's a disease as well, I would say. And it's very easy to excuse it when everyone else around you also excuses it. And how did you get, because now you quit mm, Pretty drinking. much, yeah. Um, how did you do that? Because this, I think it's useful for those people who are listening, who maybe have a bad habit. Mm. It could be drinking. Mm-hmm. It could be um, smoking. smoking yeah. uh, whatever a habit. Well, I've also quit smoking, so I guess I can talk on those right. two topics. Yeah. yeah. So how did you do mm. that? Because it's so hard to do. Yeah. I think especially uh, smoking is difficult when it accompanies drinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think both of those habits need to be tamed in order to deal with one of them. Um, but in terms of, I think for me, it was firstly, it was drinking that was the main I mean, I always knew smoking was bad and it was always on the agenda to quit, but I don't, I think because we know it kills people, it's very mm-hmm. much put out there. Uh, that is more at the forefront of your thinking than it is with uh, alcohol because alcohol isn't really uh, advertised or put forward as something that, you know, it causes death. In fact, I think it might be the drug that causes the most death. It's the most harmful to people. Mm. Um I knew a woman who has a heroin addict and she told me getting off alcohol was harder than coming off heroin. Wow. It is very difficult if you are a proper alcoholic. Also because you can find alcohol anywhere. anywhere. You can't find heroin Mm. anywhere. This is true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, um, my drinking got so bad that I could drink and drink and drink and drink, but I could not get drunk. So I would drink more trying to get some level of intoxication, right? So that I could feel like a part of what my friends were doing because they were all pissed and (laughs) carrying on like lunatics and I was stone cold sober just watching them like this is just not fun, right? Stops being fun. And uh, so I'd drink and drink and drink and then I would be sick because I'd consume so much liquid that my body couldn't handle it. Mm. But I would be sober. So it was very unpleasant for me. I was physically ill. Um, I couldn't hold down food at night. I had heartburn, heart palpitations, physical issues. I also got a blood test result back saying that my liver was potentially not doing as well as it should. Combination of the uh, prescription medication that I was on and the drinking because I was drinking so much. Uh, I could drink four bottles of champagne and be sober. Um, it was obscene. Yeah. Ridiculous levels of, of drinking. Um, yeah. So I, would you, would you say you were, um, an alcoholic? Oh yeah. I said that I was an alcoholic from the age of 19. I was pretty aware of the dependence. I don't think I was very severe on the scale of people. Like I didn't need to drink in the morning to stop body shakes or things like that. Uh, but I drank every day about that much alcohol so that's a lot or every second day you know Mm. having a hangover was pretty much normal Mm. so you were living with a hangover all the time Mm. yeah yeah not good for the mental health or physical health Mm. um yeah so i feel like i just saw in real time how i was slowly killing myself with this habit and i just decided i didn't want to die i didn't want to be this person i didn't want to go down this route 
And the reason why it was so easy, I think for me after making that decision, because it is very difficult for most people, but for me, it was really easy. I felt so much better not being hungover every day. And I slipped up maybe once or twice after I had decided to quit. And I just felt so unwell after having weeks of not feeling unwell at all that the comparison was just like, this isn't worth it, you know? Mm. Um, so it was just a decision. And then you open up so much more of your time, right? Because you're not drunk every evening. So you're painting more, or you're writing, or you're going to the gym more often. And you're doing things that give you dopamine, which is what the drinking does, but they don't have the consequences mm-hmm. and they're enriching. So uh, I think that really helped. And then there's not smoking followed that because, well, I only smoked when I had a drink in hand. Now I don't so, drink. Okay. Yeah. yeah. However, I did pick up the bad habit of vaping, which, you know, lesser of two evils, perhaps we don't have the science there yet to know. It could be worse, could be causing eye tumors. Well, hopefully not, knock on wood. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah, I drank kombucha all the time instead, which uh, naturally removes all of the sugars in it. So What's it's that? Quite- Kombucha. Ah, uh, kombucha, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I had that fizzy, enjoyable drink that was like slightly fruity but not too sweet. Uh, something to sip on of an evening that kind of replaced that champagne or whatever. I wanted to ask you a question. How mm. did you... This Was there a moment where you sit down, you sat down with yourself and said, this, mm. is, I, I must stop this. Yeah. This, this should stop. Um, like, was there a moment, like a mm. precise, a specific moment? Yeah, I remember having a conversation with my housemate at the time, who is also an alcoholic, and um, which doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, I, you know what? Actually, it didn't help when I was an alcoholic, but when I had made that decision to quit, it helped so much because I had a mirror to look at of mm. what I was like and what I was behaving like and how I was excusing my habits and how weak those excuses actually really were, how they don't hold up when you're comparing it to the consequences. So her and I were having a conversation. She was drunk. I was sober. And uh, she was saying, you know, this is my only way to switch off at the end of the day. It's the only way I can sleep. She has insomnia, which is not something I suffer from. So I can't speak to that. I'm sure it's very difficult. Um, but all of these reasons that she was giving me, I was like, I know, I know all of the reasons because I've made up the excuses for the last 14 years myself. There's many, many excuses that you can make because you're choosing, you want to drink. You don't actually have a consequence enough. You haven't come to that conclusion yourself enough to warrant stopping it. You just have to decide. It is a decision you have to make for yourself. What do I want? And so talking to her and sort of looking at myself as well by doing so made me realize, yeah, that no, this can't, this isn't sustainable. This isn't what I want. I'm better than this. I deserve better than this because she deserves better than this. And she is better than this. She just doesn't know it. Mm. And she is me and I am her. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she has since like become a lot better with her habits as well. Um, she's improved. And again, it's a decision that you make. It's also, you know, she put it really well. She realized all of the things that she thought alcohol brought out of her did the opposite. They minimized those things. She was less able to socialize as herself. Uh, she was less able to engage and connect with people 
But these were all the things that she thought she got from alcohol. It was only in sobriety that she realized, actually, I get less of that. Um, And what would you say, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who's, who's got one of these bad habits uh, and they want to quit, but they're addicted because this is an addiction. Mm. Um, I'm addicted to, okay, I'm addicted. I've I've probably said this before in some other episodes. Uh, I'm addicted to my email inbox. Mm, Okay. Like I check my email inbox. Multiple probably times yeah probably every in an hour I would check it three times. Wow, that That's is a lot. lot. That's so to to check, I refresh to see if I got an email, if I got a. Is it anxiety? Huh, it could be. Or habit. Anxiety. I don't think it's it's anxiety. I think it's more. Uh, let's see if someone made a comment on one of my stories let's see if someone Mm. replied to whatever content whatever piece of content i i put out there Mm. that's why i don't use social media that's why instagram for me was terrible because i would constantly be there checking if someone liked my thing yeah it's the dopamine it's yeah, yeah these platforms are engineered to to do that yeah. like for you to be there be glued to to the phone to mm-hmm. to the, to, to, the so- to keep you there yeah mm. and um yeah. i thought after i read digital minimalism i thought this is all wrong i think i had a moment like you like mm. i don't want this mm. i don't w- and i know what these platforms instagram especially mm. is doing to me it's not life, is it? This yeah, is the thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I wasn't huge on Instagram. Like I didn't have yeah. like millions of people following. I had like a thousand. Mm. Um, but I realized that it, it's not what I wanted. And I was wasting time mm. on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that moment. Now, why am I telling you about well, Instagram? Well, you thinking with, like, Gmail. Now you now have that. Yeah, that. now I have that, yes. Or email, yeah. So I don't want to quit. My, I, only, I'm, I need emails. It's managing it, isn't it? Like, mm. once a day in the evening or mm. in the morning, checking, and then that's it. And you've yeah, set that, that would be, for yourself. That would be great. Well, with the drinking for me, um, I can't speak to anyone else, much like your book, funnily enough different outlook i'm gonna use your outlook i think my book your book 18 languages in one day (laughs) no i'm kidding (laughs) no that's that's not what the book is about uh but yeah why why the book well so uh i've only read uh snippets of it um yet i've only just received it today so forgive me um but but you were saying there's no no real mm. one way to achieve anything and to question anyone who gives you advice on how to do something always question the advice yeah and i would say the exact same in terms of this question of like what advice would i give to someone who's quitting there is no one way like i've just said i just decided Hmm. right and for me that is what it was obviously it happened over a very long period of time and they say i've heard somewhere once where it takes an average of uh, seven times to quit something that could be a relationship that could be a habit an addiction um, but it, that every time, even if you, uh, 
regress, and I hate that word because it has such a negative connotation to it, that isn't necessarily meaning that all of your work is undone and that the time you quit was nothing. No, that's still something. It's still very important. It's still going to help you develop and become stronger at doing it more permanently or for longer. But permanence, I think, for me was always the issue um, where I went wrong every time I tried to stop drinking. I was like, no, I don't drink full stop ever at all. And for me, that doesn't work. What works for me mm-hmm. is, yes, for six months or several months, quite a long time, I didn't drink at all, nothing, because I was establishing a new habit, a new way of being. And then I would maybe have one drink with a friend. But it wasn't like a spiral into old habits where all of a sudden now I have to drink nonstop all night. And I have continued that habit. I've had a few random blowouts, literally every blue moon. It's so rare. Um, Or once in a blue moon. Uh, Maybe once every four or five months of recent in the last year, I might drink so much that I'm drunk. Um, I never enjoy it. I never enjoy that feeling. I always regret it. Um... But I don't let that shame overwhelm me or make me feel like that I'm lesser than. I'm not. I'm human. It's all okay. It's all a part of it. And I've just reaffirmed the lesson that I keep teaching myself or keep learning. Um, There's a nice in-between. So for me, what works is that I drink on occasion. Like we had wine with our dinner last night, Mm. which was lovely. And I really enjoyed the experience of the drink. I think that is another thing too, like the art of something, like enjoying a delicious meal with friends. Um is enjoying every sip of that one glass and really appreciating that for its one experience, the taste, the flavors, the sensations, rather than drinking for the sensation of drunkenness. Cool. Um, Yeah, so there is no one advice. I think um, reaching out to friends and asking for support is a great way and saying, you know, like I've decided not to drink more than four glasses a night. If you and I are out and you see that I've ordered another fifth glass, could you just with compassion gently say, hey, you've asked me to let you know you've reached your limit. So as I don't care. I want another one. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) I mean, you do whatever you want to do, but I'm just trying to be a good friend here. (laughs) Look, it might not be enough, but it's something. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my advice is, yeah, there's many ways to go about it. Um, It will be different for everyone. Thank you for sharing this story. That's okay. I hope it wasn't boring or like <laughs> too depressing. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't to me. Um, okay. I feel we, we should end this episode by saying something nice about Australia because Ooh, we talked okay. about the bad side. Yeah, people drink. Uh, there are pe- there are animals who want to kill that want to kill you. Colonial um, history, colonial of genocide, history, yeah, racism. Jeez. Yeah. So Australia, <laughs> we depicted Australia as <laughs> the worst country in the world. It's not. It's I so mean, far from and it. And that's yeah. why, you know, these walls are painted mm, yellow. Colors. Yeah, yeah, yellow and, and green. Um, I can tell many things about Australia, but I want to hear it from mm. you. Like, wh- why should people... Now it's time to, to do some marketing for you know, your country. Uh, the, obviously, a uh, place is made by its people. And I think there are a lot of wonderful people, not just Australians, but people who might have moved to Australia, immigrants especially, mm-hmm. uh, people who are very open-hearted, uh, who are very generous with their time and, and want to spend and get to know people and are out there wanting to have adventures and see places and explore Australians of all walks of life are very much often explorers. So there's the people. 
Then there's the landscapes. The beaches are spectacular. You know, if you avoid a northeast wind on the east coast, mm. you'll be fine. No blue bottles. Um, don't, <laughs> um, don't remind me of those beaches. I know. The heart mm. yearns. I miss them too already. Yeah. Only traveling five weeks and I can't wait to get back to the beaches. Um, the bush, the native flora and fauna, as much as there are things out there that the could native... kill you, they don't necessarily want to kill you. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of equal amounts of animals, well, far more, that don't want to kill you yeah. and can't kill you. Yeah. Uh, so The native, you know, the aborigines, the yeah, aboriginal culture, culture as well. Oh, it's spectacular. Their knowledge of the land. There's so much for anyone to learn from that. The oldest people in the world mm, over like, 70,000 years old yeah yeah I remember this when when I went to uh, a trip to Uluru mm-hmm. which is the big rock in the middle of Australia mm, very Ayers sacred rock. Ayers rock. Uluru you just call it Uluru not Uluru. Ayers rock yeah. okay yeah. Um, I remember the guide who was an aboriginal guide as well mm. uh, he said when we when we talk about the Egyptians the you know mm, with such reverence 4000 year uh 4000 yeah 4000 years mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. years old the aborigines the australian aborigines 60000 over what mm. did you say 70000 70000 years old is a rough estimate yeah but there are some debate even 100000 years it's it's very broad they have been there since the land existed um i think that much we can all agree upon whether it was 50000 70000 100 imagine 000. how much they know about the land like they mm. they survived in the de- in, in such thrived in the desert in yeah. inhospitable places for westerners anyhow with our culture i know that some of them even teach the Australian army, the Australian, how to survive, how to yeah. survive in, in such mm-hmm. harsh conditions. Mm-hmm. So they were, they are so harmonious with the land. I think for, for the, the indigenous culture alone, uh, indigenous cultures, sorry, cause they are many nations that forms the Aboriginal people of Australia. Um, but yeah, uh, for that alone, it's just such a worthwhile experience going there. Um, and immersing yourself and I even as an Australian I wish to and I strive to immerse myself more in the knowledge of our First Nations people um, a great book to read mm-hmm. I would suggest. nice let's end with a book recommendation uh, let me get the name of the author the mm-hmm. book title is called Dark Emu and there is some controversies around this book Dark Emu uh, mm-hmm. I read Bruce I read, Pascoe uh, what, what? By, by Bruce Pascoe Okay, I'll yeah. put it. I'll put it in the show notes. Mm. I remember reading. Um, wait, I've got it here somewhere. It was a story. It was a fiction story, which is something that I don't normally read. No. Oh, this one. Let me. Ah, mutant message down under: a woman's journey into Dreamtime Australia. Marlo Morgan. Have you read this? No, I've never read this. It's nice. It's I wish about I had the book to it's, trade you. It's a it's a um, a woman who goes with the Aborigines, like she lives with the Aborigines for two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's fiction. I don't know if it's based in a true on a true story, um, but anyway, mm. it's a nice one. Mutant yeah. message down under. We'll we'll end with this one. Yeah. Yeah. In my my book and your book. Yes. Yeah. Dark Emu is is nonfiction. Mm-hmm. It's uh, written by a First Nations person, Bruce Pascoe, um, and it is about the uh, 
hidden, purposefully hidden, um, and it oftentimes destroyed history of the First Nations people of Australia. The agriculture, the way that they managed the land, uh, the housing that they had, uh, because a lot of uh, the narratives around Australia disguises just how sophisticated their their nations were and how they operated between each other. So it is a fascinating read. It's a great way to have an insight into the beautiful landscape of Australia. Nice. Sure. Thank you. Um, that's it. Thank you, Amber. Brava. Brava, Amber. <laughs> Applause. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me in uh, your Australian room in Italy. We'll go for what? A drink now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go get pissed on Lake Como. <laughs> Bye, Amber. Bye-bye. Ciao. All right. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Amber. Did you like her Australian accent? The Australian accent is my favorite, so I loved it. Um, I hope you found this episode useful, interesting, or whatever. Let me know. Let me know if you have any comments. You will find the link in the show notes to my um, contact details on my website. And remember that I have a private email list where I share book recommendations where I share um, programs that I create, mostly book clubs. And what else do I share in my newsletter? Well, news, news, so updates on my content. Mainly blog posts, because these days I really enjoy writing blog posts. Um, everything is on my website. Everything is there. My blog, my podcast, everything is there. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will join the next episode of Stolarite Stories with another true story. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.